Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you guys stand with me? I'm so glad that you're here on this spring break beginning. We are here together. If you'd open up your book, uh, Bibles, and turn to Acts chapter 26, we're going to read verses 16 through 18. Now, to catch you up to where we're at, we are currently in our From Darkness to Light series. And this morning, we're going to look towards Paul. Paul is in front of King Agrippa II on his final journey as he appeals to Caesar of Rome. And he's in, his, he's in one of the final moments here as he's before King Agrippa, and they send him one. And uh, he's, he's recounting his salvation experience on the road to Damascus. And that's where we're going to pick up. This morning, I believe that there is a word for you from God. We know that we can get it from his word. Amen. But I believe that it can be very, very timely. If you look at your Bibles, chapter 26, verse 16. But rise and stand up to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. This is God talking to Paul. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me. And to those things in which I appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for being in this place. God, continue to work on our hearts. Make us like you. And everyone says... Amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm so glad that you're here. Wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad that they're here too. Thank you from whatever device you're streaming by. You're very much a part of this and we love you. Now, as we continue this series from darkness to light, it's very important that we comprehend what's going on here. Anytime in scripture when it talks about from darkness to light, it means salvation, right? We understand that that's a basis for what it means. But one of the things that we can gain from it as we are saved folk as we love Jesus Christ, we may have some areas in our life that Christ needs to illuminate. Can I get an amen? Now, this doesn't mean it's a bunch of sin. The reality is the closer I get to Christ, the more I think differently, the more I act differently, the more I speak differently. Come on now. So this is good. We shouldn't be discouraged by that. If you look back and say, well, I don't speak like I used to, congratulations. Yeah, I don't, I don't, man, I've never thought like that before. Congratulations, because the Spirit of God is illuminating your soul. And that's what we want, amen? This is very, very real. And in our culture today, in our situation with the world, we know that we can use some hope and encouragement, can't we? We can use some faith. We can use some of these things that we know. Our confidence must be built up. And you're coming to church to do that. And as we look at the world, we look at everything, we realize that we could lose confidence really easy, couldn't we? It's easier to lose confidence in humanity than we realize sometimes, isn't it? But, it's, but we can't lose confidence in Christ. And the way that we do that is we build ourselves up. And darkness to light, it's just that. It's a journey. It's a journey in which we find out more about Christ. We find out more about his holy word. We find out more about the Holy Spirit and illuminating our lives. And it's something that we all see. Whenever the disciples were on a ship in uh, Matthew chapter 8... It's amazing to me. Matthew chapter 8 picks up and they're, in a, they're on the Sea of Galilee and a storm rises up and they get really scared and afraid. And what surprises me about that situation is if you read before, Jesus has already healed some people. He's already done some miracles. He's already taught to them one-on-one. I mean, they're standing next to Christ. Yet when the storm blows up, the very first thing they do is get afraid. But then Jesus walks out and he says, peace be still, and the storm calms. And this is what they said. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. 
See, they're on a journey too, just like us. We talked about Peter last week and got advice from him. He was on a journey. They're on a journey. We're on a journey, amen? And I still hope we have those epiphanies, those places in our life where we say, God, you amaze me in what you do. God, you've opened up a door that I didn't think could be open, Father. You opened up a way and I didn't see that there was a way because those are the situations that we need to be in sometimes because God will begin to, to raise his glory and we'll begin to exalt him, amen? It's really, really good. So, but we realize that there's some things that we have to do. Now, today I want to make a couple observations of what we can do. Through, as, we look, as we recount Paul's salvation, there's a couple observations here of what we can do as we go from darkness to light, as we walk in that. But there's also two things that I also want to talk about that we know that we can depend upon God on. And right now, as we look at the current situation of our world and even our nation, we need dependability, don't we? wouldn't hurt to have some responsibility <laughs> and some accountability. There's a lot of abilities that, we <laughs> that may be lacking. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And onward we go. Onward. We could stop there and preach a whole sermon, couldn't we? And it'd be biblical, I promise you. But we, we won't. But, there's a, but we need to make sure now I've got to get back on topic. You know how you just think, man, I could really preach on that. And I think I get, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll go on, okay? But, but Paul here is recounting his salvation experience. And he's doing it in a very, a very respectful way to a guy that is contrary to Christianity. Contrary to that, he doesn't want anything to do with that. And as I read this, the first observation that I see that we need to do is we need to get cracking. I was expecting a better response than that. Oh, now help me out. We got to get cracking. I love what, what, what Paul says that God told him. He said, but arise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. What's he saying? Get some pep in your step, Paul. Have you ever heard that saying, go full tilt, go 100 miles an hour? I don't know how many coaches I told, uh, and I even used it as a coach, but how many people would say, listen, if you're going to make a mistake, make it at 100 miles an hour on the double. Stand up and get going is what he's saying here. And if you were like me growing up, a few times I got told to get the lead out of my britches and get to where I needed to be, which is probably the nice version of that. But nonetheless, that's what, that's what God is telling Paul. And we can take that experience and say, listen, God wants us to rise up. We cannot do what God has called us to do from a comfortable position because he's our comfort I look at him and see how he leads and I realize that he is my comfort. The last thing that we want to do is remain in the condition that God found us in. And to be able to do the purpose that God has called on each and every one of our lives, we can no longer remain in that condition, but we got to move to what God has called us to, amen? And that means some change. But how do we do that? We get up, we get on our feet, we get ready. And we stand up. Now, this is not something new. Elisha is following Elijah, two very famous prophets in the Old Testament. And Elijah takes his cloak, coke, and he kind of goes over Elisha. And Elisha feels the mantle of the Lord. He feels the Spirit of God in a way that he's never felt. And he begins to follow him. And then what he does is he turns around literally and goes back and he's plowing with a plow. He goes back and he burns his plow. He kills the oxen because he, he kills his oxen that are pulling the plow because he never wants to go back to his old life. He doesn't remain in the same condition. David moved from a field of sheep to the battlefield. Ezekiel, the famous prophet, God was talking to him in Ezekiel chapter two and he goes, listen, he says, son of man, stand on your feet. I'm gonna tell you something. And when God speaks to us about our salvation, when he speaks to us about the journey that we're on, let's snap to attention, amen? 
And then we, we see Peter do the same thing. Peter, you can't stay by the seashore anymore. You got to follow me. This is where you were. Now I'm calling you to be fishers of men. And he has to follow him. Calls us to do the same thing. Matthew 28, 19. There go, there, therefore go and make disciples. Be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we're familiar with this. But we go from point A to point B. We're not in the same condition, in the same situation as when God found us. And it doesn't matter whether we're Peter. It doesn't matter whether we're Paul. Whether we're old, pref- old prophets in the, in the Bible. Or whether we're living in 2022. God is saying, arise. Amen. Let the Spirit. There should be something that builds up in us. And say, listen, man, I've got to go. I've got to get out of here, man. God has called me for something. My spirit ignites when I read the word of God. My spirit ignites when I get into the presence of God. And he lets me know that there's a journey, there's a purpose, there's something that he has called us for as individuals and as a church, amen? So let's get cracking. Let's get our stuff together and go where he's called us to go. Now, sometimes we just need a little bit of a battle cry. Sometimes we need to remember why we're doing what we're doing. I was helping my uh, sister-in-law, Jason, my brother-in-law move about four or five, six years ago down in Texas. They live in South Texas. And she was moving from uh, one apartment to another and it was a great place. But my daughter did something extremely funny. My daughter's only four or five at the time. She grabs a broom when she's helping them clean and get ready. She grabs a broom, runs to the corner and gives out her war card. She goes, let's clean this dump. (laughs) So you can imagine her with a broom in the corner saying, let's clean this dump. What's so funny about that is JC and Chris now live in another place and whenever they get ready and get motivated to clean the house, they look at each other and they say, let's clean this dump. (laughs) And it's a war cry, it motivates them and it's funny and they remember why they did it. Well, listen, the purpose of God in our life is worth cleaning some stuff out of our life. I mean, truthfully, we were a dump before we met Jesus Christ. Oh, but he gave us life and life abundantly. So there's some things that's worth cleaning out. The psalmist in Psalms 24 says, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? But the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And he's not talking about this perfection that we must walk in, but rather it's a correct inward motives for my outward manner. I want pure heart and I want clean hands because I want God to use me. Later on, David writes again in Psalms 51 and 10, create in me a pure heart. Why? Because I realize that I cannot do it within myself. It's only you, God, that can create that pure heart, that can renew that steadfast spirit in me. Why? Because we want to rise up against those things that come against us. We want to rise against our problems, amen? Again, against our fears, against insecurities. We want to rise above the labels that people can put on us and do what God has called us to do, amen? Amen. But how do we do that? We got to get cracking, man. Get to our feet and rise up and say, God, we know that you can do this. In contact sports, one of the weakest things, in my opinion, that can happen is when somebody gets hit and then they lay on the ground. They're not really injured, they just lay on the ground because it's a sign of weakness. If you're a college football fan or you're a contact sport fan, one of the things that you say, one of the things that you see on the field in different places, whenever people get walloped, that means really, really hit well. (laughs) Most of them jump up to the sideline, jump up and they run to the sidelines and they pass out on the sidelines because they don't want to show that sign of weakness. 
They don't want to show that. Listen, we all fall down, amen? We all get, we all looking up from our backside sometimes. But whenever God, and it may, listen, and it's not always because of sin. It's not always because of bad things happen. Sometimes God is moving in your life and we think we're doing right. And the Spirit of God hits us and we realize that we are not doing right. We're trying to do what we can, but then God stands up and says, you weren't doing right, now you're doing right. You weren't doing what I told you to, now you're doing what I told you to. I appreciate your heart. Now rise to your feet and begin to do and accomplish what I've told you to do, amen? So what's God calling you to do? You're in the middle of a struggle with your marriage, you're in the middle of a struggle with a relationship, in the middle of a struggle with your job. You keep fighting and you rise. You rise, we have to stand, amen? And it starts by standing. To get cracking, we have to stand. Paul continues his, his, his story of salvation as he's talking to King Agrippa. In the rest of verse 16, it says, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen in me and those things which I will appear to you. What do we have to do? We don't only have to rise and get cracking, but we have to be willing to serve and to speak. Here in the scripture, it says, a servant and a witness. It says grace and truth. Heard a great devotion about that yesterday morning. But there's this thing where we serve in grace, but we also speak truth. Another way to put it is I want you to teach and I want you to testify. Isn't it easy and isn't it just amazing how many times we can get this out of balance? Sometimes we can just, all we want to do is worry about teaching, but it really doesn't resonate with our spirit. We kind of know what to say. And we see that in our generation a lot. People think they're experts because they listen to a podcast. All they did was teach themselves. They can't really testify. Then others, they, they've been through so much, but they're so hard-nosed, they really don't know how to teach. They just know how to tell you what to do. And that never works. As I'm pointing at you, don't that even aggravate you right now as I point at you? <laughs> yeah, imagine in close corners, you know, when you're pointing at each other, yeah. But here he says, listen, I was called to be a servant and a witness. I was thinking about this. We're, all, we're born, many of us were born with hands and feet. And I was thinking about this, two hands and two feet and one mouth. And this is the challenge. Maybe if I would serve four times as much as I speak, I wonder what God would do. It's not that I shouldn't testify about his good, because we know that we're, over, we're overcomers, right, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I know I've got to speak, but I wonder if I'd really get busy about this serving deal, what would happen? What, what God wouldn't do in my life, because we know that actions are so much stronger than words. Whenever you go to a fine restaurant, whenever you go to a place that has great food, you know what makes the food taste better? Sometimes it's the ambiance and the music. But how many of us know that a really, really good waiter or waitress makes the food better? Oh, yeah, you guys have had some bad ones, haven't you? <laughs> Everybody's like, hallelujah. Start slapping the pew in front of you. It does. It makes a difference. And we can be bad about this as Christians. We know the truth, but we're gonna serve it in an ugly way. We're gonna serve it in a way maybe we don't care. Or we, don't, we don't treat it as precious as it should be. It's the precious word of God, amen? It's the precious truth. Our eyes have been enlightened. We were once in darkness, now we're in light. But what makes food taste better is always a great server. Man, when they're coming over and they're making sure your glasses are full, come on now. It's hard, to drink, it's hard to eat good food when your water's dry or Coke or whatever you drink, right? But they're coming over making sure you have everything you need. Mary and I, one of our first trips, we were probably two or three years into marriage and um, a guy wanted us to go try one of these Brazilian steakhouses. Have you guys ever been to one of these? Okay, yes. Well, I've been to one. That was the one time we went. 
And that other guy was like, we want to bless you and send you. I was like, great, I want to be blessed, so let's go. So, but we went, to the, we went to the Brazilian steakhouse, and I'm telling you, what was the most excellent about the food was the service. They have a little deal that you flip over, and if it's on green, they know to come to your table. And I had fun with that. I wanted to see how I did, dude. I was young and dumb, man. I wanted to have fun with it. And I'm telling you, as soon as that dude would hit green, man, those guys were all over you asking, what do you need? How can they help? What's going on? And as much, I remember the food because the food, I'm a carnivore, so meat's great, okay? But as much as that, I remember that service, that waiter saying this, as you wish, as you wish, as you wish. And it made, it, made the evening so wonderful to be served. And that's interesting to me that Paul would say we're a servant and a witness because our actions speak louder than words. But how do we become that servant? How do we become that witness that God has made us to be? That way, whenever people get in our presence and we begin to live the word of God, we begin to speak the word of God, they look at it and they say, oh, this tastes so good. Remember, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And people get that around us, amen? The life is lived through us, but he says, well, how do we do that? And he says, witness to the things in which you have seen. What does that let us know that we have to watch? To really be a great witness, to, to really be a great servant, we watch these things you have seen. And this is what I know about watching, that if, if you've seen, you've watched, that means you're looking, you're actively paying attention to, to what God is doing around you, how God is speaking to you, maybe what he's doing in somebody else's life. You're, you're keenly aware of that because then you'll know how to serve. You're not just looking with the bobblehead doll. You guys know what I'm talking about? You flip the doll, it's like, yeah, you know? Sometimes we all do that in conversation, but when we go from darkness to life, man, because God is gonna show us some new stuff. That's what we see next, is not only do we have to watch, so to be a great server, to be a great waiter, to, to, to really be a great witness, we watch, but we're also patient. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? I'm not a doctor, I don't need patience. That's what I used to hear all the time growing up. But we do, we don't, don't pray for patience, that's very dangerous. I would thank God for the patience that you already have. And then say, God, you know what I need. <laughs> I'm just gonna accept it as it comes, you know. I'm gonna open up that door and let that flood hit me, okay. And if you've ever done that, you're laughing because you know what I mean. Oh God, give me patience, you know. That's sarcastic, God, I didn't, didn't mean that, just correction. Be patient, those things which I appear to you. God wants to show you some stuff. And he's gonna show you some things that we're maybe not ready for, but the journey starts anyways. So we're on the journey and we're saying, God, I really want this to happen. God, why, have, why don't I know about this? I'm a planner, I'm a schedule, so I like to know what's going on. And whenever God sends me on a journey in which I don't know what's going on, I lose my patience sometimes. I'm trying to watch but I've also got to wait and be patient because God has some presence. He has some gifts for us out there that we haven't seen yet that he wants to unravel to us, revelation that he wants to show to us, situations that he wants to use us in where we step back and we absolutely know that if God hadn't moved on our behalf, it would not have happened. Why? Because that shures up our faith, it locks up our faith and ain't nobody, excuse me for that, ain't nobody, <laughs> and no one's gonna talk us out of that, amen? Because we can go back and we say we know we have it. But listen, you have to be patient. You might have heard it like this. Have you ever known one of those people? You just want to look at them. You're like, bro, take a chill pill. Like way too. No, nobody knows that but me. Okay, I use that all the time. Slow your roll. 
simmer down because we tend to get impatient and we want to go and we want to go and we want to go. But as we're waiting for God to unreal thing, un- reveal things in our life, we have to slow down and we say, okay, I want to get cracking. I really want to be good at serving and speaking, but I've got to slow down and I've got to know what God is up to. And as we continue, we see that we're not only going to get cracking, that we not only want to serve and speak, but Paul continues and shows us something that's very, very important that we can depend upon God. So whenever we do what we're supposed to do, we're going to serve, we're going to show up, we're going to do the things that we need to do, we're going to do it with excitement, we know that God will get us there. We will arrive. Have you ever been on a journey that you never thought you would arrive at? We went to the Utah Reservation in, with a missions trip here, I don't know, probably three or four years ago. It was really my first extended mission trip of nine days, and it was a great journey, and it was a great opportunity. But the hardest part about that trip is we went through the mountains. It was amazing. I'd never seen Utah. That was amazing. Even coming back, it was wonderful. But then we hit the stretch of highway from Amarillo, Texas, to Wichita Falls, Texas. Oh, goodness there's not enough apps on the cell phone. There's not enough games. There's not enough people you can talk to or stories that you can tell that does not make that part of the trip. Those three hours might have been the longest three hours of my entire life. And I thought, are we ever, I mean, I would literally be playing on an app or a cell phone and be like, okay, good. And then I look at my watch and like five minutes have passed. You're like, oh man, you just want to drive to have something to do, you know? But the guy in the driver's seat ain't giving it up because he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking, are we ever going to arrive? Listen, in this journey from darkness to light, if you're unsaved and you're thinking, do I give my heart to Christ? I want to implore you to do that. Listen, you will arrive where Christ wants you to arrive. If you're already a Christian, you say, I've started this journey that I really feel like God has sent me on. He's trying to improve this or reach this person or whatever your journey looks like. And you think, am I ever going to be there? Yes, you can trust God, that he's going, to do, he's, going to, he's going to do it. Verse 17, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to send you to some people that are not going to really like you. They're not going to like your message. But I want you to know that I'm not only sending you there, but I will protect you because you will arrive where you're supposed to be. He will not send you and not save you. Remember that. He will not send you and not save you. We gotta make sure that we don't take ourselves and put ourselves in God's place. One of the hardest things about a journey is it's just that it's journey and it can get boring, it can get lonesome, it can get hard, especially when we have to do the same things over and over and over. But we wanna make sure that we don't put ourselves in the position of God and then we do something that's really embarrassing. About six months ago or so, Officer Rick is in the building somewhere, he might be in here. But my wife and daughter called me on the phone. They said, Matt, they said, we're at our house and we're scared. They said, we're pretty sure we locked the garage door, the, the, the house door to the garage, but it's locked now. Well, I said, just leave the house. And obviously we got scared that there might be somebody on the other side of the other side of the door. We didn't know what was going on. So I called my friend Rick and I said, hey, what do I, wanna, what do I need to do? He said, you don't need to do nothing, right? He said, I'll, I'm on my way, right? So I had enough sense to call him. So we show up and you know how when you get around somebody that really knows what they're doing, you think you know what you're doing? <laughs> this is me, okay? So he shows up and what he's gonna do is he's gonna help us clear the house or he's gonna, I'm not, he's not gonna help us, he's gonna do it. But being around him, I thought, 
can I help you? <laughs> you know, I asked him, I said, do you want me to help you clear the house? I mean, I'm thinking I have watched some Kung Fu movies. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, this is my house after all. And, and we decided, no, what I needed to do is go hang out by the mailbox while he cleared the house. I was the mailbox guy, okay? He was the house clearer, I was the mailbox guy. Could you imagine me if I would have put myself in that situation and started, oh man, I, I probably would have got shot before it was all over with, you know? I wouldn't have known what to do. But that's what happens whenever we begin to put ourselves in somebody else's position. And, and that's what happens whenever we put ourselves in God's position. Listen, it's a journey. You're going to arrive. God will protect you. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be wonderful. Can I get an amen on that? But you don't put yourself, I don't need to put myself in that position of God and realize that if he sent me, he's going to save me. He's going to help me reason that's so important is because we see that one of the greatest power, when we walk in the greatest power is when we walk in that position and purpose that God has called us for. I'm not an imposter. You're not an imposter. We're just doing what God has called us for. If it's prayer, you pray like nobody's business, amen? If it's singing and worshiping, you worship like nobody's business. If it's preaching and teaching, you preach and teach like nobody's business. If it's giving, you give like nobody's business. And then we don't go out and do something that's not ours and we don't wind up in a place we don't need to be. Be like me, be the mailbox guy, okay? Be the mailbox girl. I'm gonna do this, that other looks fun, but God has called me to this. And soon enough, what you'll find out is the position that you're in looks fun and that other position won't. But God says to do that. And it's so important because, it's so important that we fulfill our purpose and we continue to walk, why? Because it's hard to lead someone, someone somewhere you haven't been. You can go with them, but you can't lead them. And God has called you to lead. He's called you to lead in prayer and teaching and worship, whatever it is. God has called you for that purpose. If we take one of the most heard, most read about Psalms, Psalms 23, and that part that we get to where he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Many times our picture can kind of be skewed on that. We get to that part where we go, I am walking through the shadow of death. Yeah, but the very beginning of that says, Lord, you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The same Lord that leads me beside still waters, that leads me to peace is still leading me in the valley of the shadow of death. So whenever, da whenever David says, your rod and your staff comforts me, what we get the picture of is David is right here and he's seeing the backside of the Lord and great comfort brings is brought to him it doesn't mean he's comfortable because he's still in the valley of the shadow of death you guys trekking with me here but 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 the spirit of god god is leading him and he looks back and he sees the leadership and he sees the correction of the wolf or he sees the correction so it doesn't matter how loud the wolves get that try to pull him it doesn't matter how hard the thunder crashes or how hard the wind blows it doesn't matter how scary it gets there's a certain amount of comfort that is brought to the psalmist here as he looks back as he realizes that he's going in the shadow of the almighty and I don't know what your situation is. I, I don't know what God has called you to do. I know he's called you from darkness to light, but whenever you're looking up and he's leading you through that situation, listen, if you're unsaved and you don't know Jesus Christ, don't be scared. He's a gentleman. He's gonna lead you and take you. That's the reason why he said to his disciples, follow me. He didn't say, get in the truck. He said, follow me. Don't be afraid of salvation. It's in a great experience and a great adventure that you'll never, ever regret. 
But for us as Christians and we're on the journey, whatever God has called us to, we look and we realize that we are on the backside of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is leading away. I know you're nervous about that conversation, but be patient and let the Holy Spirit lead you in your conversation. Let him bring things to your mind and you can have a comfort. Doesn't mean that it's not gonna be hard. Doesn't mean that you're not gonna be going in there and sweating it and there's gonna be plenty of things to be fearful of. There's gonna be plenty of situations to say, this is uncertain, I don't know what's going to happen. No, we still walk. As we walk by the still waters, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not based off intuition. It's based off the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I'm thinking about Paul here as Paul would have known about this. As he is standing before King Agrippa II, Herod, uh, he's known as Herod, and there's like six different Herods in the Bible. So I don't wanna confuse you too much. But I will say this, that he's standing before King Agrippa II and he's pleading his case and he's telling him about his salvation experience on the road to Damascus. And if we think about that moment, think about the valley that he must feel like he's in. King Agrippa's father was the one who had Peter in prison and he killed James. Paul would have known that. His grandfather, Herod the Great, was the one who killed all the babies during Jesus' time. So he's speaking to a lineage of people who hate Christians. And he had a couple crazy uncles too in there. So can you imagine that conversation as God is saying, listen, I'm sending you to Caesar. You have to go and appeal. And he's sitting right, and he's sitting in front of King Agrippa, knowing his lineage. Can you imagine that valley, that shadow of death? You sure you want me to tell him about salvation? He's not gonna believe it anyways. Are you sure you want me to unravel all this? He's not gonna really accept it. Did you hear about what his grandfather did, God? Did you hear about what his dad did? But no matter how the wolves howl, how the wind blows, how scary it gets, the Spirit of God is leading us and we must walk. And we see that as he looks down. Think about this in Acts 27, just a chapter later, Acts 27, verse 23. He still hasn't made it to Rome to appeal. He's about to get in a shipwreck on the island of Malta. What does the angel say to him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's a big difference between when something bad happening and actually encountering evil, isn't there? But you must journey on. We see that the purpose just pushes Paul. He walks forward despite his feelings because he clings to the promise, to that great comforter that is leading his way. Get cracking is such a wonderful phrase, I love it. But as we serve, as we, as we speak, and as we come to that place where we say, God, we know that we can depend on you, that we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it because you're leading me because we're not doing it ourselves. Then ultimately we see one last part that's wonderful. We see the great gift. In verse 18, as he's talking to the king, he says, this is my purpose, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and find a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. The journey that you're on, the gift is this, that you will never see like you saw before. You won't think like you thought before. Your eyes will be open to things that they were closed to because we take that journey, what, from darkness to light. 
And here Paul says something that's very hard. He says, from Satan to God. He knows his purpose. And what purpose you're on serves as much a greater purpose than just us because that's what we're doing for people. As the light of the Lord shines through us, as people get around us and they feel the spirit of God, as he's leading you through the journey and other people are watching you and they're looking at you and saying, I wonder if you're for real. Are you really gonna do this? They might be saying other things like, man, if I were you, I would have bailed now. I would have quit a long time ago. But you keep walking forward anyways and they're looking at you and they're gaining strength from you. Why? Because their eyes are beginning to be open. They're beginning to see that there is a different way. Maybe they're beginning to see that something has a hold of them that's not God. Maybe they're beginning to say that, way, I thought this was the best way to live, but as I look at this person and they walk in peace, I begin to see that that's not the way to live. Here he also says they go from this sinfulness to sanctification. What does that mean? They go from sinful people, as he was, to being separated. Paul, I'm gonna separate you, and you are to go to the Gentiles, and you are to go to the Jews, and you are to speak the name of Christ. And on your journey, that's what's happening to you. You might not realize it, you might not understand it, but you go from that part where fear guided you to now you're fearless. You're beginning to separate yourself more. And what do we ultimately line up, what wind up on? The journey that we're talking about. We go from that darkness to light. And darkness looks so, so different to so many people. For the unsaved one, it looks like hopelessness. You don't have any faith and you're wondering, what's going on what do I do? God, are you speaking to me? And the answer is yes, he is. For some of us that are, that are children of God and we're trying to do the best that we can, for you, your darkness may look like anxiety. Might look like a little bit of depression. You've been hoping so hard for a child, for a loved one to be saved and you've done about everything that you possibly can do. I wanna tell you to continue on the journey. We're not perfect. You might have something as a Christian that you know that you have said at the feet of Christ a hundred times, but yet I implore you, set it one more at the feet of Christ and say, I will not quit the journey. I've gone from darkness to light. And one of the great things about darkness to light is understanding the grace of Jesus Christ. That we have the freedom to move in him and say, listen, this is who I truly am and this is what I need you to do. For the unbeliever, and for the believer. It's so easy in Christianity to forget those things, isn't it? We wanna live so much for God on, on such a high standard, but yet we catch ourselves falling and failing. And sometimes we forget that we can go set those things at the feet of Christ and say, God, I'm here for you, more of your grace, more of your trust. And he'll speak the truth to us, but we know that we have freedom in that. Why? Because we've gone from darkness to light. We're no longer who we used to be. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.